We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halloumé. This is Lore Keepers, the boundless venture, the world-renowned podcasting opus, wherein the richest tapestry of lore in human history is sung into being before your very ear... <laughs> before your very ear holes, I am Frank. I'm Carter. And whether you melt jewelry in volcanoes, burn steel to usurp the Carrion throne, or create on your Grey Warden to floss, sit a while, not too long... Don't want to burn yourself, a weary wanderer, and uh, let us weave you a tale, a shortened, abbreviated tale. Is this a Lurkeeper's Junior proper? I don't know, but we only have about 35, 40 minutes to record this time, so uh, we're, we're, we're keeping it a little tight. We're trying to keep it a little loose. loose nope. Loose, keep tight. It, keep it tight, not loose. Uh, um, so uh, this week, we're, we're picking up where we left off last week, uh, which was uh, like 30 minutes ago. We're talking about the merfolk. Uh, we're continuing our series on Padasari, um, but this time we're looking below the waves. Um, All right, Frank, before yeah. we begin uh, talking about what the merfolk yeah, are up? doing, let's talk about who they are. What are the races of the merfolk we're dealing with? The ancestries, rather. Yeah, I mean, are you saying, like, do they have legs or fins? Is that kind of what you're asking? Well, I'm saying... Or you mean literally, like, are there sub-races? I'm saying, are there fish people? Are about? they sea elves? You know, the, where the Tritons? So we mentioned previously that there's like kind of, there are people who've got gills who have like, you know, a, a humanoid body with like regular ass legs, but we also have people who have um, merfolk proper, like, you know, half human, half fish bodies. And I think the way we talked about it was sort of like um, oceanic strata. So like the people who are just fish people are much deeper. And then there's it's sort of like a mid mid depth um, where there is the people who have like legs. And I think because th those are the people who, you know, it's much easier for they don't have to get a radio flyer with a uh, with a Rubbermaid container full of water in it to uh, to get on into onto land like the merfolk. Yeah. So I think those are the sea elves. I think that's what those are, is the sea elves. Or, I mean, unless there's another group of people, like the Tritons, I mean, maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's a community of multiple different uh, ancestries that all have that similar build. Maybe, And that's yeah. the thing that's unifying. Like, I don't know, Triton. Are those the people with the weird noses? No. No? I don't, I don't I think they, they had have weird noses. noses. No, they have, they have weird, they have... Oh, maybe not. No, I don't know who I was thinking of. Um, but yeah, like Tritons would be part of that. What are some of the other aquatic uh, ancestries? You got me there. No, I don't think anyone likes the aquatic ancestries. Um, Not fair. Elemental one, the... The Genasi. The wa water Genasi. Uh, centaurs and Avens, for sure. Centaurs? 
Wait, what would a what what would that even be? Like a water horse? What what would that even look like? A seahorse. Are, wait a minute. Are there centaurs that are half seahorse? And the males get pregnant. That's absurd. No, that's not even what that is. That's just be a different kind of merfolk, I think. Let's see. Dragonborns, dwarfs. We could have we could have sea dwarves. I mean, there's technically sea dwarves in Everest, but they're not actually like they're 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 seafaring dwarves is what they are. They're not they're not water dwarves. Now, hang on just a ding dang second. What are Avariel elves? Because that sounds a lot like the Avariel. It's from U-A-E-S-R. What's that? E-S-R. I'm not sure. U-A. I'm not sure. E. Maybe elvish subraces. They have trance. I don't know what makes them unique, though. Are you on 5e? Yeah, it should be a stir stirry bird. Oh, they have a flying speed. Oh, Avariel can write Orin. Orin. Yeah. Avariel elves. I think that they basically live in like the elemental plane of air because they can speak Orin. Okay. Read, speak and write Orin. Uh, but yeah, it's basically just elves with a flying speed. That's that's the only difference. I don't they don't even have any other abilities or something. There's also the Grugak, which proficiency with spear, short bow, long bow and net. Uh, oh, no, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I got to stop. Okay. Uh, do, what um, are we do, What are we going to do about the um, evil fish people? The Sahuagin? Yeah. We oh we could make uh, underwater Sahagan Sahagan we could make underwater riven. Well, there already are. There's um, there's oh, what are the fish fish people? They're uh, they're like the Murlocs of the Katua the Katoa 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 is a character from the Expanse. Katoa is is a is a is the friend of May. Um, who's the botanist's daughter in the expanse? So probably not what Katoa. About the frog, the fr- fr- the frogolith. I mean, like grungs? Are you talking about those? Are more like tree frogs? Or the frogolith. You don't know about the frogolith? Oh yeah, I know about it, but that's more of a monstrosity than it is a like a, a like a. I mean, I guess frogomoth. The frogomoth. We could have water goblins. That could be fun. Uh, gilblins. Th- that's a thing. Really. Have you heard of a Gilblin before? No. I think you're, they're in WoW. There's like a completely uh, submerged zone. And uh, yeah, and there's like there's Gilblins. Uh, let's see. There's Dankwood Goblins. That's funny. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know how much uh, variety we want to have going on there. I think we I, we could see that. I think maybe what it is, is it's more like this. All right, we were kind of uh, that. That was a, that was a very wide. Yes, that question made me go real wide, and I'm only in the H's now, so I'm not going to keep scrolling through. There's a lot of ancestries. <laughs> Holy shit! There's like thirty humans. So they're probably Sahuagin, fucking around. Yeah. So okay, so we kind of approached this with like we played with the idea of like uh, a bit of a Wild West vibe going on beneath the water. I like that idea. Um, there's a. There's a book from a long time ago or that I read a long time ago called Dark Life, I think. It's about it basically is a underwater western, which is super cool, um where it is most of the world is submerged, takes place in the near future, and a lot of humanity figured out how to live underwater because 
what was once most of the East Coast and West Coast of the, the U.S. has now been completely submerged. And so it gets turned into like homesteading land because it's a shelf like there's a shelf. And so they like figure out how to live on it. I don't know. There's all sorts of really clever technology and stuff. It's a very fun book. But I think I've, I, I definitely have had those vibes in mind for what's going on, at least at the sea elf level. So I think what we have is kind of an outpost community where it's a simplified town that... I don't think it's nearly as big. Yeah, I think, I think it becomes a place where a lot of trade happens. Like, for instance, like, I think we could take all these different ancestries. We can take the Gilblins. We can take the Sea Elves. We can take the, um, even the Katoa and the Sahuagin if we really want to, Sahagan, and have them all be able to, like, they're doing trade with each other. It's sort of, it makes me think of, like, when you get, I feel like I see a lot of people who make maps of um, Dwarven towns or Dwarven holds uh, that have on their lowest level uh, access to an Underdark uh, river and then they'll like do trade with other underdark folk along the river and I kind of like the idea of doing something similar to that here where the Sahagin and everyone else can kind of get trade going at this place oh so you reminded me Frank quick aside have, do you know about the cartographers guild uh I mean I don't I, I don't think I do I, is this what is it's this a thing? website that's like forum website where people oh share yes i do know about that yeah really awesome looking maps yeah <clears throat> but yeah as you reminded me that with your talk about dwarven hold maps mm-hmm. yeah i think uh Marsh- marshall's think... really big into maps like that's what he wants to do for a living is if he if he oh. had his choice he would just make maps for that's awesome yeah i mean i think i think that uh Maybe that's the approach that we take on the first level here. And so we can sort of explore that out um, really quick before we dive into either of these, though, uh, <laughs> depending on how deep we go. Get it? Oh, boy, I knocked my mic again. Uh, the other thing was the, the merfolk. Um, <laughs> I think it's dude, it's, it's my knees, not my arms. <laughs> Our, uh, Carter was like waving his arms around wildly. I can't wave my knees around wildly. <laughs> I think that this outpost stuff is going on at a higher level. And then there is actually there is a barrier to experience that I think has to do with oxygen density or something in the water or water pressure or something where it literally cuts off some of the experiences that the sea elves and other of these ancestries that are closer to the surface uh, experience versus the merfolk who live in the darker parts. And I think that they all have superior dark vision. But also, not that they don't use light and stuff, but I think that deeper than this sort of outpost community, this no kind of space space between worlds, yeah, there's probably not any like natural light beyond maybe bioluminescence. Yeah. Um, but that the merfolk, I keep on it coming back to this concept of what if we had a merfolk metropolis? Oh, by the way, Frank, 100% treasure hunters uh, and the merfolk probably use magnesium torches. Because magnesium burns underwater. Ooh, magnesium burns underwater. Okay, definitely a whole industry. Um, let's say there isn't magnesium on Potosari. That's something that gets imported in and people pay a premium for them. Cool, I like that. I like that. And then anybody, that's at least um, any hunter who can 
get their hands on enchanted magical light is like a big fucking deal because then they can use it underwater. I bet they make like literally like glow gems, something that uh, when it gets wet, it just lights up. That's cool. Yeah. But those those are like premium. Like you need to be a very successful or super wealthy, uh, you know, like, you know, patroned treasure hunter to uh, to have access to those kinds of goods. Otherwise, you're using just like, yeah, magnesium torches. They run out at some point. But I really like that idea. But yeah, I keep on coming back to this idea of a merfolk metropolis. I think what I'm playing with in my mind is that the merfolk, they might have been the first ones to discover or sort of rediscover the city. So, right, we've got the Marian Dominion. First, the Sanguine Empire happens. Then Avum Tertius hits. The whelming begins. Water starts returning to, and the water level starts to rise again in the world of Halume, or uh, Sadar. And it starts to drown the lower levels of uh, this sea, which might have been more like, I don't know, a land of many, many. No, well, it was, I think it was almost completely dried up. I think there was a sea here. It was just it was very brackish yeah. back during, you know, extremely salty, uh, nothing living in it. And the Marian Dominion was probably using it and went through a lot of work and effort to turn that water into something drinkable. But that was like kind of the their entire empire was based on that um this branch of the sanguine empire and then as it so yeah no that would just be a branch of the sanguine empire and then it became the marian dominion because it was all the people who are like the water 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 barons water barons yes exactly the water barons and then that rises leaves uh submerges these cities i think that um the ruined the ruined city was maybe used by the Sanguine Empire, like post post Ash Curse, is a place to, uh, you know, to live. And then afterwards, when it gets completely submerged, it's forgotten about for a while. It's like people are aware that it's there, maybe, but it's like, well, you can't do anything with it until eventually Merfolk come around. They rediscover the city and they start building up there. And there's not a lot that anybody else can do about it because you can't really wage war with them. They're underwater. They'll just leave. (laughs) They'll just hide or whatever. And, you know, you can't breathe there. So you kind of can't really stop them. And I think that maybe the merfolk just have a pretty large city. Like I'm thinking tens of thousands um, who live who live there um, and have just kind of repurposed and restructured a lot of the buildings, places where things have started to crumble or collapse. They've like, you know, rebuilt, um, or use like that coral cement to tighten up and, and, and make it watertight. So we get this interesting stratification of like urban areas where at the deepest level, we have a very heavily populated city, at least as far as merfolk are concerned. I mean, honestly, if we wanted to go with even higher numbers, like it rivals the population of Parasari. Um, we could. It's just there's not a lot of access to it. Like nobody from Parasari really knows anything about this city beyond the fact that it exists and that like they do trade with us. Um, and even though they're only like maybe less than a kilometer deep, there's just not a lot you can do um, to interact with them. Yeah, and I think that um, I think it's unclear how big it is. I think exactly right. Looking from the lens of the people in Parasari, it's like mm. it's like. Yeah, there's a big city down there, and you know they might ask Merfolk, and they're like, "I don't, I don't fucking know." Like, it's the city. Like, 
I think, yeah, I think nobody has an idea of actually its sheer size. It might be even close to 100,000 people, but the thing is, is, and so, but they think it might be much smaller than it is because their only association was either with trade or guides. And the thing is, is A, they might not have a lot to trade with them, or that may, they may choose to in, intentionally disguise their numbers by saying, like, we're putting a max limit on the number of guides that we send out. So that kind of represents a smaller portion of our population than people here, think. Yeah, what's for up? why there aren't many guides. Hmm. It's because it's kind of taboo to fuck around with the old ruins. Okay. So only like yeah, the yeah, young yeah. and foolish or like. Or the people who have or the merfolk who have like different ideas about traditions yes. or whatever are doing it. Yeah, that actually would totally track. And so then it also creates a um, uh, a picture. I wouldn't I don't know if inaccurate is the right word, but it's a it's a all of misleading yeah, all of the it's people, a misleading picture uh, of what merfolk culture looks like when they're like yeah sure I'll, I'll guide you down to these ruins as long as you pay me and it's like all the other merfolk are like not cool about this but because it's beyond the edges of the city walls or whatever they're not necessarily going to stop people they just frown on 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 those who fraternize exactly and then it creates negative associations with the people who go to the higher strata and meet in the median, like the median zone, the area where like the, the, the sea elves and stuff who probably have a better idea of the population numbers, but it also isn't that relevant to them. And also their only associations are mostly just with the merfolk who come up. So like everybody above that strata just doesn't really have much connection with the merfolk. And it's not like they're plundering their own city. They're going outside of the city limits of the metropolis um to to like lead these or at least like aid in these treasure expeditions because like i i wanted to say most of the golden age stuff is on this this shelf right yeah like once you get down to like the deep ocean stuff there's just one it's a big question mark mm-hmm. and, but also two the merfolk probably have already plundered most of it if there's anything down there hmm yeah well, so, okay, so if we're, because if we're talking about a city. Here's something. Are the, yeah, If there's stuff down there, imagine there is stuff down there, or there was. Uh, maybe the reason why it's taboo is because it used to be allowed, and then some people went in there, it set off like a nuclear bomb, and then, like, it, it, like it made this giant I mean, the, fucking the, crater or something. They're like, we don't fucking do that yeah. anymore. I mean, yeah, it wasn't even necessarily an explosive. It was just an artifact that they discovered. And because time had fucked with its its connection to the Nine Flow, and also the, the way that the Nine Flow works is completely different than it used to, it was unstable, and it could have been something relatively benign, yeah. but just like was had access to a lot of power, and then the weave got all twisted up and fucked up when they when they launched it. And it just, yeah, it imploded and caused massive uh, like structural damage to a portion of their city. And they just said, like, all right, well, yeah, no, we're not allowing this in city limits anymore. Yeah, and I, and I don't think it was literally a nuclear bomb. That was a, an analogy. No, some yeah. some kind of catastrophe happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, okay, in canon, it was a waffle maker. <laughs> <laughs> or as close to waffle maker as uh, as waffles get in in Sadar. But absolutely, yes, some sort of like breakfast doughy, not quite a pastry thing that uh that yeah that you made in like a, a presser but it was magical yeah. i love they it put like Great. fish guts in it and they're like let's see what this does and it just exploded 
Well, it would. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was. I thought you were gonna say. I, I thought you were saying like the people the gold now are putting fish guts in there. I was like, well, it wasn't submerged back then. No, they did. They're like, okay, it's like a like a you know some sort of fish gut stamper because you know it had the edge like like the, the lines for the wall <laughs> so they just like stuck the fish guts in it. yeah 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 you just smashed the fish guts yeah. and it blew the fuck up so okay so we have actually a really large metropolis it's kind of it's it's pretty well hidden i think some people are faintly aware of the fact that it's much larger but it's really only relevant to people at the like in the in the upper and lower houses of city council like you know, because they need to make big decisions. But for the average person, it's more of a myth than anything else. I think it's hard for anybody to actually believe that there's a hundred thousand merfolk. We never see any of them. Like, what evidence is there? You know, and even if there was, why would it matter to us? Yeah. You know, sure, they send up guides sometimes, um, but that's that's tourist shit. You know, that doesn't have to do with us. And that's why there's so much fucking. That's why there's like the weird drugs. Yes, I think uh, I mean, I think that might be more commonly accepted in merfolk society is like that's the the, the equivalent of inebriation, Maybe. you know, as they get these, you know, toxin patches or this this. I love the idea of like a salve slime that they like spread on their chest or like, you know, on an arm or something like that. It lets like toxin sort of seep into their system because they have like partially porous, you know, uh, uh, semi permeable skin. skin. Yeah. Yeah, well, like fish, you know, fish, fish typically are very affected by whatever they're swimming in. Uh, and it's not just because they're taking it in. It's literally their skin itself is very permeable to that. That's why, like, you know, you got to make sure there's no like mercury in water or whatever um, when fish are. Because otherwise that gets into the body of the fish and then you eat that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's kind of it's a cool idea because it makes me think of. Uh, I bet these buildings are a lot larger. I think these are not. What's that city in Eberron that's um, just basically all like these huge, huge, huge ass buildings and it's like a thousand feet tall or something? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, Sharn? It's like over a. Uh, it might be Sharn. It's over a million people. Yeah, it's Sharn, the fabled city of towers, I think. City of glass? No, that's an ancient giantish room. No, it's got like four different. It's got the the low. It's got the lava pools, the cogs, the lower city, the middle Mm -hmm. city, the upper city, and the Sharn. It's Sharn. Yeah, and the Skyway. Yeah, yeah. Sharn is cool. Um, if you look at the Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron, I think it's that one or whatever it was. The big core book. I I don't know if that was Wayfarer's Guide or something that came after. Fifth edition population um, is five hundred. That one's a. What'd you the say? Fifth edition population is five hundred thousand. Should be bigger than that. Everything that we've seen um, from urban populations across uh, time indicates that this city should be much larger than that. I think. <laughs> but whatever, uh, not super important. Sharn is yeah. Sharn's really cool. If you're into like um, archaeological sci-fi, you you know it's like that with a with a fantasy twist, but um, I think I'm just getting those vibes or that approach to city building with this metropolis on a smaller scale, but like repurposing these massive ass buildings into merfolk habitation. I also, I, I, this isn't really the entire episode to get into it, but I think that we, I think it'd be good to really just rethink how we would imagine a city actually gets built underwater because indoor outdoor what is the value of indoor versus outdoor you know very basic concepts 
um, I think get rethought. Like comfort is a big part of how rooms are structured. But what does comfort look like if when you sleep, you're just floating? Like, it's not like you strap yourself to a bed. I, I was watching Clone Wars and there's like, you know, scenes where they kind of shrug their shoulders with this, like, I think whatever um, Akbar's uh, race is. Um, the there's some sort of war going on. Yeah, the Moncal the Moncalamari. And like their homeworld is all like completely submerged in water. And there's like these shark people and they're literally like settling into a chair, but they're like their legs are like lightly floating and stuff and they're floating above the chair. It's like, what's the point? There's no point in the chair. I think furniture itself is less valuable because every position you're in is kind of like suitable to the form. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I think it totally changes the way that a city looks um, and it's is very alien as a result. <laughs> Sorry, not my bars, but like high tops, you know? Oh, wait. Oh, do you mean bar is in a place to like kind of uh, stand yeah. at or like, you know, to get your yeah, drink to stand at again? Why would you need a bar? Because gravity is less relevant as well. I mean, you're basically making a city. It's like the equivalent of if you're making a city in space, you know, there's not really a lot of gravity to go around or buoyancy is a is a significant part of it are things how are things oriented are you ever upside down but i mean because you easily could be but you know think about there's still fucking gravity underwater if i was working on like a metal rod or something like this it's gonna go down no that's actually a really good point um because fish don't swim upside down typically (laughs) however I thought you actually meant bar in a different way, in a way that like you think about space stations, how they have like a lot of like, you know, handholds and grips no. and things. I think there's a lot of that. I, what, what I meant, no? what I meant as when I went bar is like. No, I know what you meant. I meant you meant a bar like that you would stand at in a in a bar. Yeah, there's like instead of having seats, like they're just a bar. tables with, you know, some kind of weird food thing that, you know, obviously sinks because most things sink. And they're on like that yeah. works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy coral cups that like they they've got a lot of weight to them. So and they're also able to withstand the high pressure. Yeah. So they kind of like and metal. I think there's a lot of metal actually, too. Yeah. And I think, you know, there are probably kind of like super weirdly dense liquids they drink that just like sink into the cup. Yeah, it's like Goo Lagoon yeah, and SpongeBob. Exactly. You got to have something that's denser than water. No, but like, actually, though, I think this is all like a good way of looking at this. I think that you've got, I think that there's, you know, there are, but I do think there are actually handholds. Like, I don't know. They probably don't need them that much to, to navigate, but it might be helpful to have something to hold on to while you like kind of to, to help you stay put. So you're not constantly having to swim back and forth. Yeah. Like something like tables typically have like sort of like a, a bar that sticks out from them. So you can just kind of have one hand casually placed on the table, like on the bar to sort of keep you as like, you know, idle currents passing through the space want to pull you. They back might have like. Um, like a belts. With like loops that you, can, that you know, like you attach to the, mm. the bar. So you just stay there. Or maybe what it is, is that like there are. Yeah, there are hooks and and a lot of merfolk wear belts or some kind of like harness that it's really easy to just kind of they have a couple of like leather straps on it um, with the hooks. And so all all that the furniture requires is hooks in occasional locations. 
and you just throw a you just throw one of your harness uh, uh, straps over it, and then it's like you kind of like rest with ease yeah. there, and you don't have to work too hard with it. And that's maybe also how sleeping works too. Is is like if you want to sleep, it's not necessarily like you don't need a bed, um, and you don't really need anything even to rest your head on. But what you do is, is you just kind of hook yourself in like an astronaut would and sort of like hang from either a ceiling or something um, and just sort of harness yourself. Maybe beds, what, whatever replaces in quotation marks beds, is just something where normally you wouldn't have a harness around like your tail, but uh, you throw, you have like a, sim- uh, a simple co- couple of like leather loops or something or whatever, you know, fish leather or something, uh, dried kelp or or something, I don't know, uh, that you can then use to uh, kind of strap strap the rest of your body in. Yeah. And so it's like a lot of hammocky. I mean, maybe it's literally just hammocks, you know? Instead of using a harness, because that could kind of get tight and uncomfortable around some places in have the body. Have you ever camped? They just have, like, hammocks that cradle the whole body. Have you body. ever camped for the hammock? Uh, a couple of times, yeah. And did you have a bug net? Um... Yes. So I, that's what I'm imagining, where it's like, instead of having two separate things, it's like a cocoon where you like sit, and you like get yourself in the hammock, and then you like twist, and you then it like curves around you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's pretty cool. So, so okay. Yeah. I mean, I think we could kind of go through and just do like the whole, a whole house of what you know, what somebody's because I, I think. The value, because I was trying to figure out like what is the value of indoor and outdoor space. It is not necessarily protection from the elements, although I think currents or like maybe wildlife. There might be like particularly cold um, currents you know, you have, times of year. Or... Yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, during monsoons and stuff, you still get like, you know, stuff coming in. It might be the equivalent of like dust, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, dust f- flying in from a, you know, in a, in a storm um, or in wind. So like you don't want that stuff fucking with your gills. So you still have essentially like a watertight enclosure where you can, you know, where stuff from outside doesn't filter in. But yeah, you have that. And then public private space, the value is is that. It's indoor, outdoor, it's it's public private. It's not about uh, uh, protecting you from, or like sun yeah. or, 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 you know, sunlight or darkness or whatever. And I think that circadian rhythm kind of doesn't exist. People sort of just behave as they will. I will say. I think they just keep their own hours. I think, I think you're right. But I, I want to I wanna say that the, the houses probably aren't watertight. Because if it's watertight, you could run out of oxygen. Because of how things work. Uh, I mean, I imagine they have screens. I mean, do you think there's not there's not enough oxygen in the water for an entire an entire house that if you circulate that, like, you think you'll choke? I mean, I you know, I think it's possible. I think rather they have screens where they allow water through, but would I like catch that more. I like that more. Yeah, and fish or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, and that's maybe what it is. Is you have these instead of having like um, shutters. You can have an open window, an aperture, but uh, a, you know, it's not really. Again, it's not really something you'd sit at. You could harness yourself, um, you know, to to something nearby. But also, it would be, it, it would be, yeah, you'd have like a mesh screen, a thick mesh that you couldn't see through potentially if you wanted privacy. Or maybe you slide the screen in a certain way, like circularly or something, and then that changes it from being visible to being uh, uh, to closed. So if you 
want to have the screen but still be able to see out of the window, you can do that. Or, you know, you can make it tightly closed and then it's maybe slightly better filtration, but also like you can't see out of it. It's like hmm? blinds. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like blinds. Okay, that's cool. I mean, and then I think that the way that their city is 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 structured is they took they took the buildings, whatever the buildings were in the center, just have the most activity. I mean, how do you do like a Merfolk Plaza, you know? Or a gathering place. I think it's just um, obviously those spaces would have existed in this in this crumbled city, um, but I think that it's not like they just are using crumbled buildings. I think that they've built a lot of their own infrastructure in and on top of what was there. I think it might be more uh, like Greek uh, amphitheater kind of looking. Yeah, that's kind of what I was imagining. So they just because you can still congregate. With the third dimension, you know, it like changes the structure of the way you think of a city. Yeah. You can have spaces on top of spaces in ways you couldn't in another city. And you could have a gathering space that is basically just open water. But it would require everybody to kind of like swim in place a little bit. So maybe what they have is, is like following this whole harness idea. You have some some open spaces that have lattice works overhead. Or maybe they have like big circular rooms. <gasps> Mm-hmm. with hooks on the walls yeah 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 or or like cool yeah yeah like big i i could totally see taking like a a giant jellyfish and it's after it's died or something you kind of like carve out it the center of it and and blow it up into this massive like distended uh, uh globe and then you put in hooks all over the the like the so that the kind of top two thirds of the bowl are places where people hook into. Um, and then you can have an order like sort of being like swim standing in the middle. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. It's like uh, the, the Galactic Senate. Fucking charger. Um, so I have we should probably call it soon, so. but I have one last All one. Right. Uh, an idea of. I think transit following the hooks, you just throw your your straps onto like the side of a giant fish or some sort of like um, pro- self-propelled uh, thing. And, and like you just sort of like wait for one to go by and then you just throw your hooks over it and then it just pulls you along. Like it. And it's like grabbing onto the side of a of an uh, uh, what's it called? Like a trolley car. Yeah. Anything uh, anything that you want to add? It's a it's a short yeah, one. I think we could do more with this, but now I'm getting excited about checking out Eberron. I think it's a short one. I think it's I think that's good. I'm I'm done. Okay, cool. Uh, hey, sorry, really quick before you go uh, before we go, do you know if there's any good video games that take place in Eberron? No, like uh, D and D. Okay, I think the next game I'm going to play after Watch Dogs is uh, Shadowrun okay. Returns. It's good. I think I've played it. Get some of my cyberpunk jimmies out while I wait for Cyberpunk 2077 to. I don't know, be fixed sometime in July. <laughs> and also go go down from 60 to 30 bucks. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, thanks for letting us be your escape. If you forgot your worries and you want to make others forgetful, we want every podcasting service known to humankind. So don't be greedy. Share us with your friends. Especially if they're fish people. Bum, Did we bum, discuss bum, something bum, that was confusing bum. as hell? <laughs> of course. <laughs> The shape of water all up in this place.
of course we did, but chances are that some context, there is some context in the podcast description, like if you're confused about what the Bellum Obscura was, or, or I don't know. How we didn't mention the Bellum Obscura. Well, oh, was that last, that episode? last episode? Maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, you can go there. Uh, you can also explore the subreddit or reach us at the Lurekeepers on Twitter or email us at lurekeeperspodcast at gmail.com for questions or things you'd like to hear in future episodes. And of course, thanks to Josh Silker for his composition of Land of Heroes, the Lurekeepers theme. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, don't forget there are always uh, more merfolk to harness. Okay, they're into the BDSM play. All right. I mean, dude, during this entire episode, the entire time that we were talking about like harnesses and stuff, I could not stop thinking about like a sex swing for for Merfolk. There you go. There you go. It's canon. Merfolk sex dungeons. Yep. Yep. Bye. Bye.